Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Well, hey, welcome to California Haunts Radio. Uh, my name is Charlotte. I'll be your host. Hang on a second. Push my buttons. There we go. I'll be your host for the next hour or so, and I've got a really great guest on tonight who I'm looking forward to having on the show, Preston Dennett. But before we get started, I wanted to ask you guys, what are you doing on the weekend of February 19th and 20th? Nothing? Okay, well, I've got a suggestion. The Mystical Minds Convention is going to be in San Jose, and I happen to be one of the speakers who's going to, I'm going to be talking about ghost hunting and, uh, and all that equipment and all that good stuff. But there's also not just me. If you want to come see, just see me, that's great, you know. But there's also other speakers. Nasir Mohammed Joen, Lorian Fenton, Brad Olson, Michael Fury, Drake Fury, Tiffany Turner, Robin Korak, Beth Seelman, and Shannon Del Florentino are going to be there as well. As well. And uh, just to give you a kind of heads up on this uh, convention, it's not only about the paranormal. This is about metaphysical and paganism. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, come on down for those two days because we're all going to have our speaking times, and there's also going to be a uh, question and answer, um, several question and answer groups that you can come in and just pick, pick our brains about different things. So remember, uh, check that out at mysticalminds.com. I'm uh, sorry, mysticalmindsconvention.com. Someday I'll learn to read. But anyway, uh, come on down, check that out. That's February 19th and 20th at the mysticalmindsconvention.com. Now let me move this. See, I'm almost like a real DJ now. Kind of want to throw it behind, over my shoulder like David Letterman does and hear that crashing noise, but don't think so. Anyway, I have been interested in UFOs since I was a kid, and I think a lot of people are like that. Um, personally, I've seen some strange things in the sky, you know, because I, I used to work nights. I still work nights. And, you know, driving home and stuff in the early morning hours, you tend to see weird things like like lights in the clouds that just are there. And there's no reason for, for the light, the, you know, one cloud and all the sky to be lit up. And then all of a sudden it disappears. Or I've seen craft that have hovered, like oh, like like what seems like over my neighborhood, but you know it could be up higher. But things that remind me of, of something like a Goodyear blimp hovering, and it the only problem is it hovered for like three or four hours in the same spot, and had rotating co colored lights. So it more likely wasn't a Goodyear blimp. So I don't know what it was when I was a kid, and I was parked with my sister. I must have been about maybe five or six years old, parked out behind one of the stores back here, waiting for my brother to get off work, and. There was something really, really bright up in the sky, and it wasn't the moon, and we all saw it, and then all of a sudden it shot straight up in the air. So I've had a fascination with this stuff since I was a kid. So having uh, Preston on tonight is, is is terrific for me because it gives me a chance to listen to some of the stories of, of other people that he's investigated in some of the cases because it, it's just it makes me feel better about what I saw. I'm not nuts. I also had... Um, a friend of mine and I were traveling. Like I said, I used to work late nights, and I get off at work around eleven o'clock in the evening. And we were headed out for a midnight movie, and I had to go to another town to go to this midnight movie. And we were traveling down the freeway, this freeway going south. And as I was driving, the freeway suddenly changed appearance because it was still kind of daylight. It was you know it was around. I could say you know you could see enough you know with the with the uh, lights on. And when I was a kid, this particular freeway, the overpasses always had vines on them. You know, it was like old style. And I, I used to lay in the back of my dad's hatchback, you know, and look up. 
And as I was driving this night, uh, this particular night, I noticed that everything seemed to kind of blur. And then when it came into focus, I noticed that all the bridges had vine, you know, vines on them. And then the next thing I know, we were in this, this, this other town, like, like eight miles away from where we were supposed to be. And it was an hour later. So I don't know, you know, so you tell me what happened. But, uh, so I've had my own kind of odd experiences with, with stuff like that. Anyhow, I'm going to bring Preston on and we're going to talk to Preston. I'm going to find out a little bit more about him and then we're going to hear what he has to say because I see we have some new names in the chat room. Uh, we have Michael out there and we have uh, Dolly. Thank you. Welcome. I th Thank you all. Jerry's out there. So I'm looking forward to this interview. So here we go. Hello, sir. <laughs> Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Not bad. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Now that I said my creepy piece, let's hear about you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have some things to say about that, by the way. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. I well, heard it. We're but an yeah. open show. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, tell me about you. Um, well, I am a bookkeeper from Reseda, California, former bookkeeper. Uh, I, let's see, was 21 years old when I found out UFOs were real. Did not believe in them at that time, but there was this sighting over Alaska. Told the story many times, but man, oh man, it just changed my world. Uh, it came on the evening news, this commercial airliner and the whole crew saw a UFO. It tracked their plane for over an hour and it was on radar. It was twice the size of their commercial jet and uh, they actually requested a course change, uh, got, were granted a course change, and this UFO still followed them. The FAAs caught it on radar. They later denied it. They said, oh, no, it's just split images. There were other witnesses on the ground. It's a great, great case. The news report couldn't have been more than a minute. They just joked about this pilot, made fun of him, giggled nervously, and moved on. Hmm. And I later found out all these other details. I actually talked to a guy who was involved with the radar uh, information on this case. And it was viciously covered up. Uh, and he was a big part of getting this information out there. So that is kind of my introduction to this field. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did hear about it on In Search Of, <laughs> that <laughs> program with Leonard Nimoy. I think we all did. I think we're all near the same age. That's where we all started. Was, you know, yeah, I remember. He's right behind that. See. Yeah, I remember watching the <laughs> an episode on UFOs on In Search of, where a whole family saw a UFO. I thought, no, no, they must have misperceived. I, I bought into the Air Force line. All UFOs are hoaxes, hallucinations, uh -huh. and misperceptions. And that's what I thought uh, uh -huh. until I heard that report in the news, and I thought, well, this guy misperceived <laughs> he saw him for reflection off the ice cap that's what it was sure too too bad he said this because he's going to lose his job and he did uh, but i remembered my brother mark had said he'd seen a ufo and stupid me i go and ask him and it's like oh yeah yeah i told you you don't you remember i'm like yeah that was you know five years ago tell me again because i ignored him <laughs> and he told me about how he and his friends phil and greg or in the Volkswagen bus, you know, the family car, kind of overlooking the San Fernando Valley here. 
and saw this object right in front of them at eye level about 50 feet away maybe 100 it was close it was metallic colored lights silent very low level it started to move away so they chased it in their car and it was zigzagging around and kind of playing cat and mouse with them letting them chase it and then it would dart forward and wait for them mm -hmm. and other cars were chasing it and they're looking at it and they did this for about 15 minutes and got real close to it <laughs> and then all of a sudden it just zooms you know 10 miles away they could see a sparkling little dot on the other side of the valley wow i'm like yeah i'm like wow mark oh my god i ended up talking to his friends because it's like you don't believe me talk to them found out a lot of people i knew had seen ufos and now here's an interesting end note which i don't often mention because it's just so weird uh following this experience it was hmm, i don't know how much long afterwards but my brother's wife my sister-in-law christy they were sitting next to each other on the couch and she's kind of petting his arm and she pokes at him and says what's this and she starts poking at his arm on the inner elbow of his i think it was his left arm and he looks down and there's this thing inside of his arm <laughs> yes about the size of a half of a matchstick right on the surface under the skin there's no entry wound and uh she's like what's this and he's like i don't know i've never seen it before and they ended up telling me i'm like mm, what <laughs> mark maybe that's an alien implant he's like what do you mean i'm like well you saw a ufo and you were close whenever anyone sees a ufo within a couple of hundred feet your chances of actually having been taken on board or having some level of contact or contact in the future go way 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 up mm -hmm. so i ended up taking him to a doctor <laughs> who was also a ufo researcher and uh i'm like here examine my brother look at his arm my brother holds out his arm <laughs> and the doctor starts poking at it and he goes oh, oh my god <laughs> i'm like oh i did not expect him to be so impressed but it was impressive i mean you could actually palpate this thing yeah touch it and feel it and he of course asked the standard questions you know did you hurt yourself he's like no no it's on the inside of his arm how are you going to get something there be on the yeah. you know elbow or something and uh he said it, he would diagnose it as a foreign body so what's your pop i don't know maybe my brother has an implant <laughs> that's wow. really scary when you go to the doctor and the doctor's shock because there's something under your skin that that would scare the hell out of me <laughs> right well it turns out his wife my sister-in-law has had contact as a little girl when she was i think 11 years old woke up and there were these blue beings at the foot of her bed short little blue guys blue skinned wrinkly faces beady little eyes they were wearing cloaks they had little wands in their hand and they were poking at her feet and she wasn't scared she says what are you doing and they said oh we're recording your memories we're taking your memories and she said oh <laughs> and she fell asleep and they came back the next night they were they woke her up she never saw them come she never saw them leave but they came every night for two weeks every night and stopped coming she was really sad she kind of came to look forward to him and thought of him as her friends uh and her sister I be that calm <laughs> i know right well kids 
have a tendency to accept things. Wow. Um, <laughs> but she, you know, she felt no fear for whatever reason. This does cause fear with some people. For some, they're, you know, it doesn't. It's not scary for them. Right. Right. And you, yeah. and you mentioned her sister. Yeah, her sister turns out, you know, because I asked her, and so did Christy, like, do you remember any of this? Because they slept in the same room. And her sister said, no, I don't remember any little blue guys. The guys I saw were <laughs> cat-like beings with no hair and big eyes, and they would come out of the closet. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, the closet. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who've had encounters are deathly afraid of the closet. And because uh, that's where they'll come out of. They use it as a portal. <laughs> That is something I've always talked about with my paranormal team in that, you know, like you listen to some of these EVPs we get. Right. And they sound so far off, you know, because they're, they're not only low in frequency, but they sound so far off. Sometimes they're, sometimes they're, it sounds like they're underwater or they're garbled, you know, and, and also the fact that when, when I read the abduction, the, the, the book of abduction in the Mojave, that one uh. really opened my eyes. That one scared the heck out of me. And I got to thinking about, as ghost hunters, are we really hunting ghosts or are we hunting aliens? Because, I mean, if they can go through walls and stuff and people are seeing them do this, I mean, it's, it's similar to, to what the ghost hunter, you know, what we're out doing. Yeah, I ended up becoming a ghost hunter <laughs> because there started to be some bleed through here. Yeah. And I remember I, was, I started asking everyone I knew. I'm like, have you seen a UFO? And I talked to Sylvia, a family friend. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, me and my friend, we were in the house, and we heard this really weird buzzing noise, and we ran out, and there's this huge glowing egg-shaped object just meandering over the house. I'm like, wow, you know, that's amazing. And you know, I did the whole interview, and she says, you know, you know my house is haunted. And I said, what? <laughs> and that was kind of my introduction to ghosts in terms mm -hmm. of, like, taking them seriously. Because, you know, I thought ghosts were not real mm -hmm. i just didn't believe in them i thought people who saw ghosts were hoaxing hallucinating or misperceiving <laughs> <laughs> and you know turned out a lot of people who were contactees had had ghost encounters and some you know weren't contactees were having ghost mm -hmm. encounters but ended up like wow ghosts are real and there is a sometimes there's a bleed through sometimes people are having major hauntings and a ufo will show up mm -hmm. or they're having major encounters and ghosts show up shadow people they start seeing ghosts mm -hmm. there's a connection there i don't know that we're seeing the same thing i don't think they're the same thing honestly i just wonder because maybe you know when you think about the hybrids maybe that because you know when they describe a lot of these ghosts they're in human form and maybe that's that like you said that there's a bleed over and we're actually seeing that they're seeing the hybrids come out of the walls and they don't realize what they are yeah i think that's true i remember interviewing one lady he's like i i saw a ghost it was a demon i'm like what did you see she says well i was in the marriott hotel i'm like oh hotel that's interesting uh because hotels are you know notoriously haunted yes and uh she was on the sixth floor or something this is in woodland hills it's super densely populated she says mm -hmm. this red light was outside my window I'm like, ooh, outside your window. Okay, this doesn't sound ghostly, but I'm letting her talk. And she's, and so there was this, suddenly there was this figure on my bed and I was paralyzed. 
I'm like, hmm, this is sounding more UFO-ish as she goes on. I'm like, what did the figure look like? She says, well, it was really skinny, super skinny. And it had a huge head. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my. All right. And uh, further questioning revealed further UFO encounters that were separate from this. And uh, turned out it was, I think, ET, <laughs> not ghost, ghostly. But sometimes uh, it's hard to tell. Right, right. It's hard, it's hard to tell. But, the, but like I said earlier, I mean, when you think about some of these EVPs we get, you listen back on them. And it just seems like, you know, you know, you get your class A EVPs, and then, like I said, you get the ones that sound like they're, they're, they're even mechanical in nature. Yes, I've heard a bunch of EV It's a very interesting phenomenon. I've kind of predicted at some point that technology would be advanced to the point where we could communicate with ghosts through technology. Mm -hmm. And then EVPs started coming on strong. I'm like, yes. I remember hearing an EVP from the Queen Mary, also notoriously haunted which was crystal clear. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a weird interdimensional aspect to them. I know exactly what you're talking about. It sounds like they're off in the distance or like talking through a filter yes. or behind a wall. I think yeah. That would be a really good way of putting it. Or underwater, like you said. Right. That's why, like I said, I wonder if it's not, you know, I'm not saying they're all like that. You know what I mean? But it just makes me wonder if it's not aliens that that we're hunting a little bit of both. But like you say, it's, it's like a combination. You know, we're, we are hunting legitimate ghosts, but we're also hunting aliens that, that, that are, have this ability to come at, you know, come in all the closets and whatnot. And that's what people yeah. say. I remember reading, you know, I've got a bunch of books on ghosts and UFOs, but there's a yeah. book by Daniel Cohen. I think it is Phone Call from a Ghost because, you know, that they do that. <laughs> they will actually call people on the phone. I've got some of my own first time cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, that happened actually when my dad passed away. Uh, his girlfriend received a message on her machine. There was nothing there, but the call was from his number, and he was dead. Uh, so she, yeah, she had to tell me this, and I'm like, "Wow, that's amazing!" And uh, researching UFOs, uh, I got a case of a guy who was receiving all these weird calls on his phone. It said no number, and ETs came online and said, "We are coming." <laughs> And I'm like, oh my God, is this true? So I did my research and like Bud Hopkins, famous abduction researcher, has a case. So does Raymond Fowler, Betty Andreessen, famous abductee. There's a bunch of cases. Jack Sarfati, a leading physicist, quantum physicist, had that happen to him. He says he owes that phone call to his interest in quantum physics. So yeah, there's again that weird commonality. Mm -hmm. and, and real quick, I remember one case, these people called me from Arizona or Illinois rather, you know, going crazy, They're like we need help. You know, we don't know what's happening here. I'm like, okay, what are you, what's happening? I said, well, we've got doors opening and closing and lights going on and off and footsteps. I'm like, okay. And, she, and they said, there's this object that's hovering over our house. I'm like, because <laughs> it was, full-on haunting you know this is what they're telling me and then that they hit me with that i'm like oh what do you mean like there's this light this object it keeps coming over our house and they were describing a ufo and so i was all full-on ready to say oh you've got ghosts and i'm like well, i'm like oh no <laughs> this is one of those cases which are mixed motif maybe is a way of putting it where i don't quite know what to make of it mm -hmm. i honestly don't
a part of me thinks, well, these UFOs are showing an interest in this haunting and they're coming down to check it out. Right. Part, part of me thinks, well, perhaps, you know, this is the ETs who are opening the doors <laughs> and are walking around invisible. This happened to uh, Kenneth Arnold, who saw UFOs over Mount Rainier and popularized the term flying saucer. He had a poltergeist outbreak in his house following his sighting. And uh, I know of the cases like that. I, I talked to one guy. He had a UFO land in his backyard. Bigfoot, <laughs> Bigfoot, honest to God, showed up the next day in the backyard, same place, and he had a huge poltergeist outbreak. Wow. Can someone please explain this to me? <laughs> what is going on here? Right, 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 right. I just wonder, too, if they get the particle, you know, how, because we always talk about as ghost hunters, we always talk about how, you know, the EMF, when it's high, we, you get better results. Like after a rainstorm, you know, when there's been an electrical storm or something like that, that maybe, you know, with a UFO, with a ship landing like that, it might change the particles in the air, too, you know, to, to, to raise all that. Yeah, I've got several sort of theories that I'm working with. I think a lot of contactees have their awareness raised. Mm -hmm. uh, their psychic abilities yes. go yeah. off the charts. And so they suddenly they're a medium, right? And they mm -hmm. can see ghosts. And so their bioelectric field is also enhanced. So they will affect electromagnetic instruments, TVs, light bulbs will blow out. Yes. Ghosts can see this. Ghosts can sense when you're a medium, you give off a light on the other side. This is according to, you know, mediumship. Yes. So I'm yep. looking, okay, maybe this is what's going on. They are activating people. <laughs> or maybe, they're, you know, when UFOs appear or ghosts, it sort of thins the veil a little mm -hmm. bit, opens a portal, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Well, let's, let's talk about uh, some of the people that have been abducted that, that you've interviewed because I find these abductions to be really, really fascinating. I mean, I don't know if I, if my friend and I were abducted at the, at the time, but I mean, I still get wake up with weird bruises that I can't explain at night, you know, in the mornings and stuff. So I don't know if I'm being taken or what, but I just find, I just find that fascinating because what, why, you know, do you guys have any idea why they are still taking us? Uh, yeah. I think that they follow certain people for, a number of reasons because they're doing good work for humanity and they want to make sure they're healthy and will heal them or guide them or they have a, an interesting genetic line which is beneficial to humanity and that it's you know got genes for long life or genes that are very well um varied you know or for whatever reason they are interested in certain genetic lines uh, and want to perpetuate them and upgrade the human race. That's one reason. Mm -hmm. They are absolutely contacting people who are doing good work. That's another reason. Uh, there's sometimes you're just out there on the highway late at night and they're like, hey, easy pickings. <laughs> Beat me up, Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we, but how, what you described, Charlotte, of driving down the road and seeing suddenly the, the landscape change instantly <laughs> reminded me of this guy I interviewed and many other cases for that matter but it was almost exactly like what this guy described from he's well from hawaii but he was driving mm -hmm. through new mexico 
and he sees this light ahead of him on the highway. This is on a desert highway late at night. I think it was Highway 80, if I'm correct. Anyway, that's not important. Uh, he saw this light ahead of him. He's like, what's that? That looks weird. And it zooms towards him and it's over his car. He's like, oh my God, this is strange. Sent on a beam of light on him and he zoomed away, freaking out. It was in an Oldsmobile. He floored it. <laughs> and uh, he's driving up towards Highway 40 to get to Albuquerque. And he's like, about two hours away, right? He's, he estimates it's going to take him two hours to get to Highway 40 or so. And suddenly it's flat. You know, this is flat, flat. And suddenly he sees the, the landscape changes. And there's mountains and trees. And it's curving and there's gorges. And he sees this wall of fog coming towards him, like this cloud roiling towards him. And it sweeps over his car. Mm -hmm. And next thing he knows, he's farther along the highway and he, he's looking at his clock. He's like, wow, I'm already hitting Highway 40. How is this possible? <laughs> um, and uh, he did end up being taken and would wake up with scars and marks on his body, too, by the way. That's a sign. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> Always every morning, I'm just like, whoa, there's another one. <laughs> yeah. They're just checking up on you. Want to make no, sure no, you're I'm doing good. Big, all I have is my little old radio show, my ghost hunt group. So that's that's about all I can offer to people. <laughs> <laughs> and your smile, you know, your positivity. I, we all play a role, I think. I keep thinking I'm going to wake up on one one time and I'm going to see a bunch of little me's running around. That's what I think. <laughs> you know? Well, you never know. <laughs> You do seem to... with people you know getting taken and then then, then they're showing their kids it's just like wow that's wow, one of their agendas yeah how like... do you um because because you're you know you worked as a field investigator for mufon so when you're called out on a case how do you tell if somebody is is yanking your chain or not yeah well experience helps you know the, when you're first doing it you're pretty much floundering a little bit because mm -hmm. uh, there's not a whole lot of training. I mean, they gave me a test, basically. Uh, but when I took the test, it, they just kind of handed it to you. It's a take-home test. I'm like, well, this is going to be easy. It's 200 questions or so. It was on mostly UFOs, which I aced that part. Well, I aced the whole test. And I did miss two questions. And one, I'm so mad because I put the wrong answer and I knew it. But it was on photography, on astronomy, on meteorology psychology, all these subjects, but didn't really give me a whole lot of interview techniques, mm -hmm. which I had to learn over the years. And uh, you can, to a certain extent, verify a person's story. There are ways to do it. And what, how I normally would will do it was do a pre-interview, okay. which is generally not recorded because I'm just sort of feeling them out and I'm taking notes and seeing if their story is, you know, interesting or legitimate or do i think they're telling the truth uh and uh one thing you can, can tell off the bat is people are very reluctant to talk <laughs> they will say please don't use my name they're not seeking money or publicity they are nervous and often especially if a person has a major encounter where they're like taken on board or cets or had missing time uh -huh. they will say something like 
I have no history of mental illness in my family. I just want you to know that. <laughs> or I've got a really good job. You know, I'm a police officer or I'm a, you know, a medic. I, you know, I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm a professor at college. I've, you know, these are, I always love it when I get a military witness because that is a level of credibility to mm -hmm. their story and you can verify their employment. And, uh, that's one way that, so they'll often say, I've never told this to anybody. My wife doesn't know. Mm -hmm. I haven't told this to anyone. They will cry. So if they're lying, they're good actors. And yes, people can be good actors, but you start to realize when, when uh, someone is telling the truth from their emotional reaction. And then you do the second interview and you see if their story changes. And then you see if there's any other witnesses. And if there is, boy, you are blessed because that is a great way to verify a person's story. If you have three, four, five witnesses to a sighting, mm -hmm. they will corroborate each other. And they rarely, rarely, rarely tell the exact same details. And if they did, then I'd be suspicious because it would be clearly rehearsed. Right. Because people remember different segments. It's just like any police officer will tell you who investigates a crime or a car accident. Some people will say, oh, the car was blue. And the others will say, no, it was green. <laughs> uh, oh, the guy had a beard. No, he was clean shaven. Uh, you know, so people do give different, different details. But will essentially say, oh, yeah, it ran the red light. <laughs> it can't, you know, they will, in their basics, tell uh -huh. the same story. And so you... That's another way. And uh, my mom was a marriage and family and child counselor, had some psychiatric training, which, I, you know, I, and I was super interested in everything she could tell me. So that was helpful uh, because I was able to recognize when someone is just flat out, you know, schizophrenic. Uh, and you have to ask the hard questions like, were you on drugs? You know, did you happen to have taken LSD, <laughs> which is a difficult, you know, because you hate to ask that, but you have to play the devil's advocate. And that has turned up. A guy was telling me this incredible encounter and he offered it up. He's like, I should tell you, we had taken LSD that night. Oh. And, I'm, and I'm like, oh, that's too bad. Because I, I honestly thought he probably had seen something. Right. Uh, but I couldn't <laughs> go there because... You know, it's a hallucinogenic. It, it destroyed your account, unfortunately. And yeah, you begin to recognize mental illness or someone's like, I've got the best story ever. I'll let you interview me for how much can you pay me? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. I'm not interested. Thank you. Uh, so there are all kinds of techniques. But the best one is just digging deep into their story because there are little red flags, little pointers, little details that are perhaps not super well known in the media, especially back in the day when uh -huh. this wasn't publicized, like what the inside of a UFO looks like, like what happens to you when you're taken on board? How do the ETs communicate? What are they wearing? What, you know, is the temperature of the craft, the shape, what, all these little details how big the room was. Um, 
corroborates to an incredible degree and to the point where you can predict what a person's going to say and you can mm -hmm. tell if they are yanking your chain because you're mm -hmm. like nope i never heard that before mm -hmm. I, I hear some of these people on the ufo circuit i'm like this guy is like, mm -mm. he might be telling the truth but i don't believe it i'm putting his case on the back burner until i hear someone else say mm -hmm. something even remotely like this that's what that was leading into my next question about this um What's a common thread in, in these abductions? Oh, it's very much a set pattern. And Thomas Bullard, a folklorist who became a UFO researcher, was the first to really identify the pattern of an onboard UFO encounter. Mm -hmm. And he analyzed some 330 cases and wrote it in a book, The Measure of a Mystery, which is a fairly ponderous book. It's very analytical and scientific. It's not your average ufo book that you enjoy reading <laughs> it's a scientific analysis is what it is a survey and he outlined the basic elements which is uh the ufo shows up you are pulled on board you're physically examined that's the single most common element uh then you are given a message of some kind a council a message, a meeting, uh, warnings are given in a number of these cases, and a person is returned, and often they will have some physiological effect, such as eye irritation, or a bruise, or a scoop mark, or a scar, mm -hmm. or an, even implants. And uh, there's all kinds of, I mean, can go a lot more in depth into that. Like the inside of a ufo as a general rule is described as being uh rounded walls where by that i mean not like round round but there's a flat floor which curves up into the wall which curves up into the ceiling and there are no seams there it is as if it is made out of one solid piece of metal oh. usually described as white sometimes pastel blue sometimes sort of a steely color you know gray steel metallic or copper bronze a bronzy color that comes up fairly frequently people will describe it a table that they're laid out on just as often it's a dentist chair and that's not super well known and here i am blabbing it but uh Often people don't describe your what people think is going to happen. They're like, "No, it's actually a dental chair." I'm like, "Uh huh." <laughs> Could you describe it? And they describe the same little details. There are medical instruments that they use on people, which I've heard a million times. They're the things they say. The very first thing that they ET say, I've heard everybody tell me. It's always the same. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. We're not here to harm you. No harm will come to you. Have no fear. That is what they will tell you first, right off the bat. That's really interesting to me. I mean, you know, I, I you know, if, if I have been aboard, obviously I don't remember, you know, what went on. So I probably would have to have hypnosis done to remember all this stuff. How many people, you know, in, in your experience interviewing abductee or alleged abductees, 
how many people are able to remember what went on and how many people have to go under say hypnosis to remember um it's not an easy question to answer like yeah. in black and white because the fact is pretty much everyone who goes under hypnotic regression to remember their so-called missing time which does happen of course have some memory they remember the ufo coming down they remember perhaps being put back in the car they will have flashbacks of being laid out on a table of of eyes looking at them so almost everyone has some memory of it not a, you know there's a 10 20 percent don't zero memory a ufo will show up boom missing time they don't remember anything else no dreams they may have a phobia of you know mannequins or um, short people or those remember those paintings with the big wayfied children yes or muppet nightmares i had a number of people tell me they're they had muppet nightmares <laughs> or so there's little clues like that but sometimes nothing i mean there's one guy bud hopkins interviewed who had all he remembered was a terror of this certain stretch of road he didn't remember a ufo he uh -huh. remember missing time so but usually everyone will have some level of recall and i would say about 80 percent have memory problems 80 to 90 percent um have some memory i don't want to call it memory loss i would call it what would i call it uh i don't even want to call it memory suppressed um they're not remembering <laughs> well yeah i'll call it memory suppressed the memories aren't being erased is what i'm trying to say okay. they're in there uh, but what happens is when a person is taken on board and they have a strong fear reaction is they will shut down uh, or they will choose not to remember and the ets will oblige you they don't want to frighten you the last thing they want you to do is freak out and so they were like well this person's super scared and they're lashing out they're trying to kill us <laughs> you know so they have to render them paralyzed sometimes and they're like okay you know let's examine them let's heal them <laughs> let's give them their message and then put them back and make sure that they don't remember because they don't want to remember they're not ready they are freaking out mm -hmm. and this happens quite a bit and people will following their experience two weeks late uh, the next day two weeks later a month later a year later two years later 20 years later we'll have a cue a trigger and will suddenly remember and sometimes they'll remember like the et is telling them you will not remember until two weeks <laughs> at which point you will remember and so other times they'll say you will remember when the time is right so some people have spontaneous remember without hypnosis uh -huh. so but yeah there's a good 10 20 percent who have pretty good recall still have missing time usually but remember essentially the experience in its details and a you know a very small portion remember everything i'm interviewing a lady right now she's the subject of my next book she remembers she remembers it all more than anyone i've ever interviewed more than anyone i've ever read about so i'm super excited for this next book uh but yeah a lot of people have memory problems for sure hypnosis does work in the right hands i would underline that 
my other question on all this too, you know, you you hear about the big cases, the Barney and Betty Hill, uh, Travis Walton, um, you know, these other cases. What cases have you, is there anything you can tell me about a case that, that you've handled that really sticks out in your mind or something that happened to somebody? <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, there are so many cases. Uh, I, I love the more extensive ones. Um, I just find them really fascinating. Uh, one guy, well, the guy, let me see, a guy from Utah who I interviewed by the name of Don had a very interesting experience at age 24. He was pulled on board with his four-year-old son. And there was a gray who was there who he recognized as his teacher, his guide, his friend. And pulled on board, there was a human looking woman there in a brown and orange jumpsuit. And he turns to her and says, can you heal me? You know, I'm having some stomach problems. He had irritable bowel syndrome. And she laughed. She says, don't worry, you're gonna be fine. And he's like, oh, okay. And went to into this room and there was his son playing with this other little boy who they didn't know. And his son was having a good old time playing with this instrument on the UFO, which was letting out blue sparks. It's really interesting. And they described this central column. That's another detail that a lot of people described that is not well known. Many of these UFOs have this central column in them. And this lady turns to Don and says, we, we need you to know that you are going to meet this woman and showed him an image of her. Uh, he's a single man at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is why, you know, we've taken you on board because this and this and this is going to happen to you. Mm -hmm. And it was essentially about his personal life. Some of it was, you know, pretty private. But he ended up meeting this woman. And what was interesting about this experience was, you know, that was a fairly short encounter. But he had had encounters as a child and suppressed it, forgot it denied it, wouldn't think about it. Uh -huh. But after seeing this gray, he remembered as a little kid, E.T.'s coming to his room and pulling him out of his bed and take him through the wall. And then he'd be put back in his bed. And that's all he really remembered, except one time he was, uh, let me see, I think he was 10 years old and was sleeping in the front yard with his friend and you know sort of camping out <laughs> in the front yard and ufos showed up and they ran inside to wake up the parents and the parents wouldn't wake up and in come the grays and that's all he remembered until he went under hypnosis and recalled being taken on board and there were other children there and he was taught telekinesis how to do telekinesis and uh shown all this ET technology and how to operate it. And at age 14, he had another experience where all he remembered was being, confront, being confronted. He was out hiking in the hills in uh, you know Spanish Forks, Utah, and uh, came upon a herd of skunks. <laughs> and they chased him down the mountain. That's all he remembered. But now after this experience in 1984, he remembered that it wasn't skunks at all. It was grays. Huh. And the grays pulled him on board a landed UFO. And he says, Preston, this thing was exactly like Bob Lazar describes in his 
drawings of the UFOs he saw at Area 51. You know who Bob Lazar is? Yes. Um, so he's like, I totally believe Bob Lazar because what he described was exactly the type of ship. I, they took me on board. There were screens all around it. And they took me out into space. And he met a, a hybrid gray. And there were other children there. And they were teaching him again. And he saw human-looking ETs as well. They took him on a larger ship. Saw what he believes is his deceased father, which is really interesting. That's I have very few cases of that. Mm -hmm. But the but the best his best encounter. He's like he wanted to see the mantis type ETs because there's different types. There's grays. There's human looking. There's mantids and many other types for that matter. But those are the main types. And uh, so he and his friends went out into the mountains. They had a little trailer and meditated and called down a UFO and it worked. And suddenly there's mantis beings around them. And he's like, one came up behind him and he's like, I want to see you. And the mantis said, no, you're not ready. And uh, finally they left. And that night he was taken on board into a huge triangular craft. He says he opens, goes inside and there's this catwalk going from one corner of the triangle. There's three other catwalks leading to a central area. And there's uh -huh. this tall praying mantis, which leads him up to this podium, which has a ball on it, a glowing ball. And he says, what's that? And uh, the mantis tilts his head and as if he's trying to find the word and says, deja vu. And so he activates this ball and it starts playing scenes from Don's life, past scenes and future scenes. Wow. So, and then he goes to another room and he opens the door. It's a 10 foot door. It slides open like Star Trek. <laughs> and he goes inside and this laser type beam hits him and scans his body. And Don's like, oh, what was that? And the being tilts his head and searches for the right word. And he says, soap. Huh. <laughs> so it's like a decontamination device, which I've heard from many other people. And then he goes to this other room, and there are, he said, 25-some beings sitting around this table. It's kidney-shaped. They're all sitting there. There's this huge screen showing a star field. It's really beautiful. And there's this device on the table, which starts sending out beams of light, which strike his head and everyone's head and goes back to the device. And they're all sharing knowledge. So oh. it was a, a knowledge-sharing ceremony of some kind. And then this being takes him onto what he thought was the top of the ship into this transparent dome. And there was this beautiful star field. Talked to a lot of people who've had this exact experience. These are sort of these, you ask how, how do you know people are telling the truth? Because they start to tell the same story. And generally speaking, these people don't read UFO books. <laughs> they stay away from them because you know, it's a little traumatizing in the beginning. And they're uh -huh. like, no, I don't want to read about UFOs. Are you kidding? It scares me. Um, he had very benevolent encounters, Don. Very spiritual guy, very psychic. And E.T. standing next to him, he says, would you like to see? And Don's like looking around like, okay, I, I thought we are. But he's like, he said, yeah, I would. And then suddenly everything was gone, uh -huh. transparent. The UFO had become completely transparent. And he was floating out in space. And I'm like, yes, 
heard this again. Here we go again. And he described hearing the song of the universe, the tone of the universe, sort of this om noise. I'm like, wow, I've heard this a couple of times too. Um, and he said it was a really awesome experience and uh, quite lengthy. So yeah, that's an onboard UFO encounter from a gentleman named Don from Utah. Wow, that's all I can say about that one is wow. That's incredible. I know, right? I want that. <laughs> that would be so cool. I want one of them, but I want them to fix me. I want to go up and say, hey, I've got this going on with my health. Fix me. That would yep. be cool, too. What do you think of crop circles? The, the, you know, I'm not a crop circle researcher. I have not gone there to England or seen any firsthand. Mm -hmm. But I, I absolutely follow it because I do think it's probably related to all of this. Uh, I think there is an, they're clearly of intelligent design. Uh, there was a big to-do when two gentlemen from England, Doug and Dave, said, oh, we are doing them. They're all hoaxes. I laughed my ass off. I'm sorry. Uh, no, we know it's not Doug and Dave. There's far too many of them. They're of intelligent design. They're extremely complex, some of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, one was like the Mandelbrot set. It had scientific mathematical formulas all through it. And Dr. Levengood, a major crop circle researcher and scientist, took these stalks of wheat or whatever crop it was and analyzed them under electron microscopes and saw that the plant cells had been exposed to some type of microwave-like radiation. It wasn't hmm. specifically microwave. You couldn't quite duplicate it but it caused the cell walls to burst and he could tell a genuine crop circle from one that wasn't very easily by taking a sample because the fake ones are trampled and bent over and they don't show any changes in the cellular pattern. Mm -hmm. So, and you can tell the real ones because they are so well done. <laughs> They're very beautiful. They're clearly meaningful. Some believe they have been decoded. And if you look at some of them, the symbology is quite obvious. I mean, there'll be a gray alien or a handicap sign or like the Mandelbrot set, which is a scientific formula and various obviously meaningful symbols. There's one that's super complex and really long and no one's quite been able to figure out what it is. Uh, but the, yeah, some people have actually decoded these to a certain degree. It's awesome. I think they're so cool. I went out, um, and then the ones that I went out on turned out to be fake, but there's a big to-do out here in Northern California in the town of Vacaville in this farmer's field. And oh, I was wow. Photos and everything out there. I took my, my mother was into this stuff, so we go out there. But I'm noticing, I'm looking around, I thought, you know what? There's a two-by-four laying there. And I thought... <laughs> left that, that 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 might be why we got crop circles and it turned out they, they were able to you know figure out they were fake but it was still the draw of people that came out to look at them is what i thought was so incredible all the news media was out there and there must have been a couple hundred people a day going out to, to check these things out yeah and i think that's their purpose yeah. honestly I, I think what it does is it ignites people it, it brings them to a, a point where they start asking questions Mm -hmm. Like, who did this and what does this mean? And, and they start searching for deep spiritual truths. And weird things do happen in genuine crop circles. 
people will report, you know, compasses spinning wildly, beeping noises, uh, electronic failures, uh, time anomalies, weird stuff. It's really mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand you do have astral projection. Yes, yes. I love, love, love OBEs, out-of-body experiences. And I don't think it's a coincidence it began at the same time mm -hmm. of UFO research. And this is something you see with contactees in general. They will start describing, you know, having a wide variety of psychic events, including astral projection, which for me began following the death of my mother, mm -hmm. which was so tragic. Oh, my God. She was only 49 years old. And even though that was 1984, I Still not over it. Um, I mean, you just never get over something like that. Uh, and I did, you know, I did not believe in life after death. So even when her spirit appeared in front of me in full color, I didn't believe it. I'm looking at her thinking, okay, <laughs> I must be hallucinating. Mm -hmm. uh, and then she st I started having really powerful dreams about her. Really powerful words to come into my room and I knew it was her. I knew it. I could just tell. And then I would wake up. You know, I, actually, I would wake up when she walked in. I thought I was awake, but I wasn't. And then I would wake up for real. And uh, I started researching dreams, which led to lucid dreaming, you know, waking up in the dream state. And then I found a book by Robert Monroe and other books about him having out-of-body experiences. I didn't even know you could do that. I'm like, what? You can leave your body? And is there truly life after death? I wanted to know. I wanted to see, meet my mom. And so I started doing the exercises they outline in these books. And it worked. It absolutely worked. And I got really good at it. And I'm still doing it to this day. I wrote a book about this. I'm writing another. Oh, my God, it's fun. It's so much fun, Charlotte. You have to try it. <laughs> What's the most important lesson you learned while doing that? Uh, that we are immortal beings. Okay. That there's no need for fear. Because we all kind of live our lives in constant fear of dying. We are so scared of everything all the time. And there's no need for it. The universe is absolutely 100% safe. You cannot be killed. It's a lie. Death is a lie. That word does not actually exist. When you pass away, it's very much like walking through a doorway and boom, you're in, you're over the rainbow in Oz. It's that beautiful. It's gorgeous. It is like, and I was looking online because people, I'm like, heavenly realms. You know, I typed it in. I'm like, no, that's not it. None of this is right. I'm like, oh. So I'm looking for pictures and the closest I could get were Japanese flower gardens where they have the little bridges and the streams and flowers and the, they're, they're lit up from beneath it looks just like that except everything there's no shadows and the air sparkles and it is exquisitely detailed uh it is yeah the, the most important thing i learned is we are immortal <laughs> we truly truly are but there's a lot to learn uh from out about it you learn your life path you know, why you come to earth, mm -hmm. uh, you learn your past lives. That's so cool. So if you have like phobias or interests or anything, you learn like, oh, well, this is why I'm so 
you know, crazy interested in shipwrecks in my oh. case. <laughs> I have every shipwreck books. I got them all since age nine. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was, <laughs> yeah, there's so much you can learn uh, and do. You can meet your deceased loved ones. That's so much fun. I did go meet my mom. She took me on a tour many times over and over again. I still meet her. I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to do that. Um, what's your view on Charles Hall and, and his millennial hospitality series? All right. I generally try to shy away from commenting on like sure. researchers, sure. Uh, but I will say that I did read his books uh -huh. and I found them quite compelling. I suspect that they are truthful. He published them as semi-fictional. He says, I can't because I'll get in trouble. He was a government worker, a weather guy who worked, you know, outside of Nellis. Uh -huh. uh, but judging from what he puts in those books, I suspect they're real because uh, he fits the pattern. He, he was, became very interested in mathematics and He's like, I've got this whole new mathematical formulas. You know, I've disproved some of these formulas from, that's something I see with a lot of contactees. They get all interested in science and quantum physics and mathematics and astronomy. And he talked about seeing, you know, the ETs will go to Las Vegas casinos <laughs> in, in disguise. And I'm like, yep, I, I ended up writing a whole article on that, you know, ETs in public places and putting it in one of my books. Uh, and I've got it like five, ten cases of ETs at casinos, <laughs> not just him. So, yeah, I think he's and he's a very sincere, nice guy. I did hear him speak. Uh, I think he's probably telling the truth. And the books are very interesting. Okay, okay. But I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you. Sure. I wasn't there. <laughs> I, oh, I understand completely. <laughs> what, um, at what age did, did you really become interested in UFO investigations or in, in, in the UFOs? 21. Yep. Okay. I was pretty young. That's when I heard that report in the news. Mm -hmm. um, okay. But before that, I just didn't believe. And I, I'm, I've got five brothers and sisters. So I went down the line. I'm like, Jamie. He's like, no, they're not real. I'm like, Marco. Like, oh, yeah, I saw one. You know, he's the one. I'm like, all right, Stephen. Nope, not real. Stop talking about UFOs. I'm like, I'm going out of body too. He's like, stop talking about that. They, were, they thought I was nuts. I'm like, Victoria, what do you think? She's my older sister. And she's like, oh, I've always believed in them. Don't you remember we had those encyclopedias when we were kids? The Childcraft, I think they were called. I'm like, yeah, I remember those. She says, they were in there. I'm like, oh, I don't remember reading that. And I asked my little sister, Valerie. She's like, oh, yeah. Are you kidding? For sure. Um, she has a lot of deja vu and psychic experiences. I never got to ask my mom, unfortunately. My dad was dead set against it. <laughs> He's like, no, stop talking about UFOs. So, yeah, I didn't until I was 21 years old. Divided there's my people, family. There's people like that, you know. Um, you've written some books. How many books have you written? Oh, you're going to make me say it. All right, 28. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Well, 29. I just finished my latest one, which I'm super excited about, about a lady named Dolly, who I think may be in chat. She is in chat. I see her. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm so excited. I'm so glad that she was actually led to me. This is so freaky to me. <laughs> but uh, 
she, you know, is in touch with ETs and they're, she's like, I think I want to tell my story. And they're like, okay, you know, you understand that there's going to be some people who won't, don't believe you. And she's like, yeah, I know, but I think it's important people know the truth is being misrepresented. I need to find someone. And they said, you will, you will. And she's looking and looking. And they're like, no, that's not him. That's not him. You'll know it when you see him. <laughs> and it was me. I'm like, ah. And it, cause that had happened with another person and another person. And in fact, one guy from England calls me up one day. <laughs> he says, are you Preston Dennett, the UFO researcher? And I'm like, yeah. He says, oh, well, I really like to talk to you. I'm having encounters with Grays. They showed me, they told me that there's going to be upcoming disasters on our planet and that we're in trouble and that we really need to start treating our planet better and that we can't keep using nuclear power. Have you ever heard anything like this? And I said, well, yeah. Yeah, that is their number one message. And we talked about it for a while. And he says, I want to tell you one more thing. I'm like, okay. He says, I didn't know you. I don't know you. I've never heard of you before. But the Greys, my Greys came and said, you need to talk to Preston Dennett. Wow. I'm like, you're kidding. He's like, no, no, they gave me your name. Ooh, can you imagine? <laughs> oh, that made me feel I'm like, wow. What the Greys? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, that was a real whoa, whoa moment. I'm like, oh, you know, because it's one thing to like feel like you're being led, but if they're using my name, they know yeah, about that's me. That's creepy. Oh, oh, hi. I bet they're listening. I hope they enjoy the show. I do too. I'm, I'm a real nice person. Really, I am. Just don't beam me up and do horrible things to me. I'm good. <laughs> they don't do that. That's part of the problem. Yes, it's scary. It can be yeah. very scary. And I understand some people do have negative encounters. Some people do experience pain. I mean, when you're in a state of utter terror and somebody presses an instrument that you don't recognize against you, yeah. you're going to automatically feel pain, even if it's not. Because you're almost hypnotized at that point. You've hypnotized yourself into a state of pure terror. Hypnotists can burn you with an ice cube. They've pro proven this. And you will welt up. So the pro that's the problem is people are in such utter terror. They're not hurting people. I have no accounts of sadism or torture, like, muha, muha, we are going to hurt you. No, it's the opposite. And I, it took me a while to come to this conclusion because I was freaked out like everyone else. I'm like, oh, my God, they're kidnapping people. The anal probes, needles, this is bad. It's the belly button one that gets me the pregnancy <laughs> test. Oh, God, no. Anything but that through the name. <laughs> I'm no, going to put this out there in the universe real quick. Dolly, I see you're in the chat room. Preston, I want to get you back on, and I want to get Dolly on, and I want to talk about her book. Awesome. I would love that. I know she would, too. If you guys would, would do that. We can set you up and get, get you going, because I would love to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will have to run it by her, but I'm pretty sure that she would be delighted. Oh, I got a yes. There we go. <laughs> okay, so after I get off here, we'll, we'll, uh, I'll, I'll get a hold of you and get some dates going here because I'd love to get you get you back on. You're so fascinating. I know you have a wealth of, inf of, of evidence and information. I mean, you you just you've just been doing this for so long, and it's fantastic. Oh yeah, I've got a million more things we could talk about. UFOs at drive-in theaters, USOs, USOs. UFOs hovering over schoolyards, a million awesome. more onboard. UFO encounters, the we healing cases. That. Oh my we God, we didn't even get. But yeah, Dolly's story. Yeah, get you guys back on, you and Dolly. Have you both on? We do a three yeah, way. Yeah. That sounds tacky. Let's do a three way. 
<laughs> that sounds like fun to me. <laughs> All right. Well, how do people get a hold of you? Oh, thanks very much, Charlotte. Uh, I do have a website, PrestonDennett.Weebly.com. Just punching my name. It should take you there. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. You know, you can message me there. You can also contact me through my website. Mm -hmm. My books are on Amazon. I've got a YouTube channel. I'm right super excited. You know, this is something I've been doing for 30 years. It's, it's my life mission, and I'm having fun. Fantastic. Well, again, I'm going to... Uh shoot you an email after the show so we can start setting up dates for you and Dolly and get coordinated on that because I really want to get you guys on. Awesome. And I thank you for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it. And uh, like I said, let's get you back on and uh, I want you to have a good evening and a good weekend. <laughs> I sure will. Thanks, Charlotte. I had right, a blast. <laughs> Thanks, Dolly. I appreciate you wanting to be on. Oh, this is exciting. Okay. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. <laughs> Okay, here's the funny thing, and uh, Jennifer's going to get a good laugh out of this because I was supposed to be pre-recorded tonight. Um, I've had a lot of family uh, dynamic stuff going on, so I have been getting jumbled in my head about uh, scheduling. So <laughs> the pre-record is tomorrow. Tonight is my birthday. Tomorrow I'll be off for my birthday because my, uh, my lovely producer is taking me out to dinner. So that'll be fun tomorrow night. Anyway, uh, you see the ticker at the bottom. California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team is a nonprofit, so everything you see here comes out of my pocket. And um, so, if you could donate a little bit to help me keep the show on the air, I'd really appreciate it because I love bringing people like Preston on, and uh, Dolly actually have her on too. You know, I, lo I love keeping the show going, so anything would be appreciated. PayPal.me at California Haunts, or at Venmo, just type in California Haunts. Actually, also, uh, if you, for you guys that were watching on YouTube. If you look down at the right-hand corner, you will see a little ghost with a uh, investigator hat on and a spy glass, a magnifying glass. Well, that's the way you subscribe to my channel. So if you could do that, I'd really appreciate it too because we've got uh, almost 180 shows that, that go back for the last year and a half with different topics such as this you know, and, and different other things. So uh, if you want to check those out, that'd be great. But if you subscribe, I'd be really happy with that because we're trying to build those numbers up. Um, tonight, I'm uh, tomorrow, like I said, tomorrow's a pre-recorded show. Mitzi Zeretto is going to be on with us and she writes true crime stories. So that's going to be a pretty fun show. So that'll be at 6 30 PM on YouTube. And I'll be putting the links up for that through, uh, different sort of, you know, Twitter and different places like that. And for you guys that subscribe, of course, you'll get the link right away. But I want to thank everybody for coming tonight and visit our website at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com. There you can find all these videos. Uh, there's uh, paranormal news on there. Plus, this show has been on for almost 20 years. Uh, we started out on Blog Talk, and uh, so I'm starting to put those archives up on Blog Talk right now so, you, so people can access those shows. I'm also teaching a uh, class on February 12th at 2 p.m. on Zoom, and that's going to be for psychic protection. That's going to be for not so much psychic protection, but I mean, it could be, but protection. Like if you go into a haunted location and you'd like to protect yourself, and stuff like that. Or if you live in a house that has activity, I can teach you ways to protect and protect yourself and settle the activity down the house. So I'm going to be teaching that class. So uh, check that out and you, you can get to that off our website as well, off the radio website as well. Go up all the way to the right, click on that and it'll have a drop down that says special events. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming. And the next time I see everybody live will be on Sunday because of course we're going to do our Usual su Sunday afternoon read starting at 6 p.m. Pacific of the Ghost of Flight 401. 
and uh, we'll get, we'll go from there. But like I said, tomorrow, be sure to check out the uh, interview with with, with Mitzi Zarito because it's it's a really good interview, you know, and she tells some really good stories about some some uh, romance criminals, you know, people that have uh, done bad things. So uh, thank you guys very much. I'm gonna go ahead and zoom out here. Hang on one second. There we go push my buttons here but i appreciate all the all the people that came in that uh, haven't been here before and i hope you stick with us because we do put really good shows out thank you very much and have a good evening and i will see you live on sunday but i will see you taped tomorrow have a good one <music>